Good morning, family. Good to see you guys. It is good for us to gather and praise God together, is it not? That is what we're here to do. Praise God for what he's done for us as a people. And let's just get a hand to the worship band. They did great. Man, you guys must have heard something last week about topping out, too, because I heard you guys top. It was just a blessing to hear that and feel that. Man, got me feeling rowdy this morning. I love it. I've come here to praise God. Uh, Open your Bibles up to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Thus is the word of God. Amen. Amen indeed. Let's pray, family. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a great God. We've come here to worship you, to bless your name, praise your name, so that we would not forget you. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the word of God, and we know that God's word does not, when it goes out, it does not return void, but accomplishes its purpose, and so... We pray that you would do that, even in the reading of your word already, that your word would accomplish your powerful purpose. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the gifts that you've given the church, and that as we use your gifts, that you'd be present with us, filling us with your power to edify, strengthen your people, your church. So be with us today. Help us praise your name. Help us bless your name that we might be a changed people, we might be more like your people, 
We love you, and we will listen to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The purpose of memorials is to remind a particular people of something that's significant to their heritage. Memorials are designed to help us never forget who we are, whether that's a Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, whether that's a a, a Statue of Liberty out on Ellis Island. These monuments are markers that help us uh, not forget the values and the people that have positively shaped our heritage. And as we remember them, as we remember them, they continue to shape us as people. When those, when those people and their blessings are forgotten, they cease to positively shape us as a culture. So there's this urge within us to remember those in our heritage who have blessed us. There's this urge to remember those who have done well for us so that we can more fully live out the ideals that they embodied in front of us. You see, forgetting is a big deal for us as humans. But forgetting, forgetting God is an utterly dangerous thing for us as Christians. You know, to momentarily forget where you placed your phone, that's kind of aggravating, right? Amen? That's frustrating for a couple of hours. Maybe it might make you feel a little nervous. Who's got it? But to utterly forget how you came into being as the people of God, well, that is to be totally lost. It's to be totally cut off in this world when you forget that utterly. See, we live... When we live daily in God's love, we are prone to forget how marvelous his love is after a while. What's the saying? Uh, How's it go? Familiarity breeds contempt. That's right. It's natural for us to look around at what we have, to look around at what we are enjoying in God's love and believe that we got where we are today because of our hard work, because of our shrewd decisions that we made, because of, because of our educational achievements, our determination not to quit, when the truth is that you and I came into existence because of God's marvelous love for us. To forget the magnitude of God's love for us is to become misshapen, deformed, and ultimately it's to no longer exist as his people. Why? Because we're someone else. We're something else now. It's a big deal. So the psalmist here, David, tells us that as the people of God, we need to remind ourselves of the Lord's great love for us by praising him. That's how we are reminded. It is by praising. It's by gathering to bless the name of the Lord. That's, by the way, that's what that means, bless the Lord. Like Pastor John said earlier, it's to, it means to praise him. It's to praise him with a sense of thankfulness. And so we need to set up uh, little, little memorials that give us these opportunities to praise God for his great love for us. That's why coming to church to worship together is so vital to our spiritual life and to our spiritual longevity. It matters. This is a shaping influence. This is a shaping discipline that we are participating in here. The more that we gather to praise him for his love, the more that we actually see and are shaped by his love and that we become his people. 
And so today I want us to praise God by marveling together at his great love for us. We're just going to sit back and just kind of gawk a little bit at how great his love. Sound good with you guys? Let's do it. First of all, God's love fills us fuller than we can imagine. God's love fills us fuller than we can imagine. Let's go to the text here, verse two through five. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's speaking to himself. Isn't that interesting? He's not listening to himself. He's speaking to himself, his soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God setting his love on you and me is no small thing. It is no small thing. It is a huge love that fills us full. That is the love of God. God's love is not a consolation prize. It's the grand prize that you were hoping to get. His love is not something cheap off the discount rack at Walmart. It is the top of the line. It is made of the finest of materials. His love is not gold-plated with copper filling on the inside. No, it is solid gold all the way down and all the way through. That's the love of God. God's love for us fills our life full. In other words, God's love is truly, truly, truly satisfying love. It is more satisfying love than another human being. God's love truly, actually, really satisfies our soul. But we don't always see that way, do we? We don't always see that way. Do you know what helps us visualize the magnitude of God's love? Do you know what helps us like, actually to be able to see that in front of our face? It is counting up the ways that he has loved us. What did Shakespeare say? How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Maybe he was reading the Psalms and poetry when he wrote that poem. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what David is doing here in this psalm. He starts what we call today a gratitude list. David literally takes out a pen and paper and writes out. He verbalizes all the things that the Lord has done. Line by line, item by item, he writes them down. All that the Lord has done for him. The most important thing, he starts this list by saying the most important thing. The most important thing that God has done for us is to forgive us of our sins. All of our selfishness, all of our self-centeredness, all the ways that we have literally wronged other people, all of that is against God first and against God the most. And yet the good news is that God has taken the initiative to forgive us. As long as God holds our sins against us, it does not matter what other benefits we have in life. It doesn't really matter how long your life is, how great your house is, how much your kids love you, if God still 
keeps a record of wrongs you've done against him against you. None of that really matters because in the end we are cut off from him. But instead of holding our greed and our pride and our self-righteousness against us, our God in his love has chosen to bring us back to himself. How? By forgiving us of all, not most, but of all of our sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God shows his love to us he goes on to say, by healing our diseases. David's not saying that God will heal every disease that we ever have. That comes when we get our new body, amen? In Christ, all our diseases are healed. What David is saying is said that looking back over his life, he's realizing that the only reason he's alive today is that God has healed his sicknesses. God has healed him of his ailments. That was God that did that. Any healing that he experienced is a gift from God and he praises God for that. My grandfather, we call him Jida. Jida's getting old and he's in severe pain all day, every day of his life right now. But when we talk on the phone, I just talked with him about a week ago, when we talk on the phone, he praises God for the many years of good health that God's given him. That's what comes out of his mouth. God's given me a good life. And though he may not be healed of what he is currently going through, Jita looks back on a track record of healings in his life and says, God has surely been good to me. He has sustained me every day up to this moment. Praise the Lord. The Lord has redeemed our life from the pit. The pit, that's where the dead go, right? That's the grave. That's the pit. It's where the dead go, and by the way, that's where you would be right now, and I would be right now, had God not intervened a thousand times already before we showed up here. Think about that. You and I are not even aware of all the danger that is around us. We think we're aware because we have the internet and apps and news apps on our phone. We're not even aware of all the danger that is surrounding us today. The question we should ask is not why do bad things happen to me, but rather why does anything good happen to me when I live in such a dangerous world? That's what doesn't make sense. That's what's crazy and nuts. What's holding all that back? That should make us marvel, and that should be the question we are asking with our lives. The answer David gives us is because God in his love is constantly rescuing you and I from the pit. Praise the Lord on my soul. He says here that the Lord satisfies us with good. Not with mediocre, with good. And it's satisfying. You know what it means to be satisfied? It means you don't, you don't want anymore. I'm good. <laughs> I'm satisfied. I'm full. This did it. When God interacts with us in love, he always does and always gives us the good stuff. He's always doing a top shelf. That's right. It's always right, reaching off the top shelf. He doesn't give us rocks when we ask for bread. He doesn't give us snakes when we ask for fish. Every gift he gives us is the absolute best for us. Every time. Every time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Think with me, brothers and sisters. Think for a moment. All the things that you have asked the Lord for. 
even the things that you were repetitively always asking him for. Think for a moment of all the things that you have asked God for in your lifetime, if you can even remember half of them. Think, just think, just start thinking. Think of all the things you have asked God for since you are a child till today. All the things you've asked for him. Of all the prayers that you can actually remember, think about how many times he supplied what you needed. He supplied what you needed. He gave you what you needed. And it was good. And it satisfied you. And it got you to today. Guys, take some time just this week. I'm being serious. Take some time this week and create a little mini memorial to God. To God. You're God. Like, count up all the ways that he has loved you from the littlest thing he's done for you to the biggest thing. We always remember kind of the big things. But count them up. Line them up. Line them up. Stack them up. You could do it this way. Take a jar of pennies and dump them out on a table. And for every blessing that you can remember, put a penny. Just stack a penny up. Stack them up on your table so that your eyes can literally visualize the stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of blessings that the Lord has loved you with. Or if you're not rich in pennies, maybe you could do it another way. Maybe you do this. List them out on a sheet of paper. Like literally take a, a real, not on a keyboard, take a physical pencil and put it in your physical hand on a physical piece of paper so you can visualize this. Go analog. List his blessings on paper and name them. When you name something that's powerful, it's real. It's a real thing. So list them, name them, and then count them when you get to the end. Start with the blessing of being born in the century that you were born in, that God decided to have you be born in. And then all the blessings that have flown from that one singular blessing, and that's just to get you started, okay? We're born in a century where there's dentists. We're born in a century where there's water, running water, and then just all the blessings that just come from that one singular blessing just to get you started. Just a starting place. And do this together. Do this with your spouse or do this with a friend and see how high you can count the blessings of God because they go up to the sky. They go up to the heavens. And then read aloud the blessings so your soul can hear all the ways that God has loved you tangibly. They're not imaginary. There they are. They're real. This is how we fight forgetfulness. This is how we remember who we are. This is how we remember who our God is and we are shaped into his people. Secondly, God's love treats us better than we deserve. God's love treats us better than we deserve. Verse 10 through 12, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
I mean, you know someone loves you when they've seen you at, the, at your worst and they refuse to distance themselves from you, amen? That's how you know someone really loves you. This is me, and it's ugly, and they're with you. They've been the target of some of the most spiteful, foulest words that have ever come out of your mouth. They've been taken for granted by you so many times that it borders on exploitation of the relationship. They've been wrong so many times that they can't even count, and yet they respond to you with gentleness. They respond to you with compassion. They respond to you with kindness. They refuse to hold your sins against you. You know that's love. You know they love you. And guys, that is exactly how God loves his own people. And this is for his people. It says for those who fear him, right? For those who keep his commands. This is a covenant love. This is what puts God's steadfast love in a category all by itself. Like we have to invent another category for this kind of love because we don't have that in and of ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? That's God's love. You see, as humans, we, we naturally keep a record of wrongs done against us. And we actually make up little payment plans on how long it's going to take someone to pay that off with interest. Am I right? Can the church say amen? Are we this way? Right. Amen. Well, I mean, we may forget the blessing we receive, but we will never forget the wrong that's done against us, right? Sometimes never forget means never forgive, Right? We as humans, it's our human nature to nurture grudges. Just, just, we nurture grievances, right? We put fertilizer on that and direct sunlight on that. Do we not? I do. I do. We were literally set up monuments to help remind us of who hurt us, when they hurt us, and how they hurt us. And we have no problem repaying evil for evil. And I'm talking about church folk. But you know what? The Lord is not like us. Praise God. God's not like me. Praise God. He's not like Chad. God knows we deserve justice for how unloving we've treated him. God knows we deserve justice for that. God knows we deserved to be dealt with severely for our rebellion against him. I mean, if anyone had a right to hold a grudge, it's God. <laughs> If anyone had a right to want to separate from us and take the car and the house and the cat, it's God. He'd have a right to do that. But the Bible tells us instead of treating us in accordance with what we have done to him, the Lord treats us in accordance with his steadfast love for us. That's his marker. That's what he's treating us in accordance with. That kind of love defies all measurement. You can't measure, you can't quantify that. I mean, how many units is that? There is no unit to measure that. How much do you love someone like me, God? Well, how high is up, son? And you find out, and you measure out how high up is, then you found out how much I love you. How much do you love someone like me, God? How deep is your sin, daughter? My love goes even deeper down than that. I'm down there. 
that kind of love, like, like that comes like from another world or something, right? That's not natural. That is the kind of love that you and I should marvel at, particularly when we gather here today. We should bless his name for his great, unfailing, steadfast, covenantal love for us. Now here's the question. Now how is God able to treat us according to his steadfast love and according to our sins? That's, a, that's the question we ask because that's a big question. You see, and this is actually what makes God's love so amazing. This question right here. It's what makes it so beautiful and marvelous because God cannot just ignore our sins. He can't just ignore them because that would be corruption. That would be the very definition of injustice, right? Now, you did wrong, and I'm going to pretend that you didn't. I'm going to let that slide. That's not what God does. God does not let sin slide. He forgives sin. Now, how is he able to do that? How is he able to do that? God cannot just say, well, you know what? I won't repay you for what you've done. I'll just pretend you never did those things. He can't do that. Those sins that you did, that I did, they are real. They really happened, and they're out there. In fact, their effects are still out there, right? Are you tracking with me? So God must punish them in order to deal with them according to justice because he is a just God. But on the other hand, if he punishes our sins in us, then we die. Wages of sin is death, right? Like, we don't survive that punishment. And so what's the solution to this situation? What is the solution? How does God fully punish your sins and my sins without destroying us in the process? Because he's both just and he's loving. Well, David says, the Lord removes our transgressions from us. That's what he says. The Lord removes our transgressions from us. Well, what does he mean? Well, he means that God puts our sin somewhere else and punishes it there. He puts our sin somewhere else and punishes it there. Now, the New Testament tells us that God put our sins on himself. Where does God put our sins? If it's not on us, where did it go? Where did it go? New Testament says it went on God. God punished our sins himself in himself. He placed it on himself. You and I cannot truly understand this psalm without Jesus any more than you and I can truly understand how marvelous God's love is without Jesus. God himself, God himself took the punishment that we deserved through the cross. That is why we love him and why we love the cross. What makes God's love for us so wonderful is that it cost God so much to love us. See, and that's how you and I know someone really loves us. Anyone can go say, hey, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Yeah, okay. I saw you for an hour this week. How do you know when someone really loves you? It costs them something. Love costs something. Real love is a sacrifice. And this is why we know God loves us. These were not just mere words and sentiment or even principles. It's tangible. God removed our sins from us and placed them on himself in Christ so that we could live forever with him. God took the blows that we deserve. God took the losses that we deserved so that he could forever treat us like sons and daughters. Isn't that what he did to Jesus? He took his real son, not adopted son, his real son, he said, hey, I want to treat you like I don't know you. I want to treat these people like I know them. 
Praise the Lord for his steadfast love. Thirdly, God's love goes on longer than, than our life. His love goes on longer than our life. Psalm 103, 15 through 18. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The longer something endures, the higher we value it and the more worthy of praise it has, right? The more we esteem it, the more valuable it is in, 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 in our reckoning. And the idea of that is captured in the phrase, diamonds are forever. That's how jewelers want to sell diamonds. They're forever. Diamonds are expensive. That's, they're valuable. And they got garner praise from people. Why? Well, partly because of their enduring nature. Their enduring nature. I mean, think about this. Like, nobody but grandparents gasp in awe when someone gives them a necklace made out of Fruit Loops. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, only grandparents get wound up about Fruit Loop necklaces. Why? Because they don't last. I mean, they may not even last the day if you're hungry, right? That's why. But if someone gave you a necklace made out of diamonds just because they love you, well, you might need a minute to gather your thoughts, right? Wow, what do I say? I have no words. Why? Because diamonds, diamonds last longer than the person wearing them. That's how long diamonds last. And see, here in these verses, once again, the psalmist contrasts humans with God in order to magnify for us, in order to put on display in front of our eyes, as it were, just how great God's love for us is. I mean, we tend to think that we're great. We tend to think that our accomplishments, accomplishments are enduring. Statues and Eiffel Tower, right? Look at all we did. That lasted a long time. We tend to think that way about our accomplishments, that they are enduring, and and and. and Truth be told, there is a measure of glory. There is a measure of greatness in humanity. And the Psalms talk about that. Humans are great, and they're worthy of praise. But compared to the Lord, compared to the Lord, everything we build is like a Fruit Loop necklace. I mean, we ourselves, look what we're made out of. I mean, we're kind of like Fruit Loop necklaces. I mean, the psalmist doesn't say fruit loop necklaces. He uses a different metaphor that I'm using. He says, we ourselves are fragile flowers. We're planted in a field that's been exposed to hot sun and dry gusts of wind. I mean, we are beautiful and momentary. And both those things are true about humans. We're beautiful and momentary. And so here is what sets the Lord's love apart from the love of another human being. Here's what puts it in a category all by itself, brothers and sisters. It endures forever. It goes on and on. It goes on longer than our life. God's love for us is from everlasting to everlasting. Now, he could have just stopped with everlasting, right? 
because that's a long time. But he says he's from everlasting to everlasting so that we'll get the point. He hits it home with a sledgehammer. That means that God's love, it goes as far back in time as you can possibly remember, and it goes as far into the future as you could possibly imagine. That's God's love. God's love, God loves you before you even knew about God. God loved you. God loved you before there was a you. God loved you. That's what he's saying. I could go real deep on there. I'm going to move on. God's love will not wither. It will not wilt or fade over time. Not even a little bit. His love for us outlasts our earthly life and goes on into eternity. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God's love also endures in the sense that it goes downstream from us. Isn't that neat? God's love trickles out on downstream from us to our children's children. Not just our children, our children's children. Isn't that great? What a great thought for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. God's love endures to all generations. The the, the, The love of God and the promises of God are not just for one generation. They're not. It's not just for a particular time period. This is not a limited time offer. Supplies are limited. No. God offers his same love and same blessings and same promises to our children's children. When you and I, when we teach our children about God's promises, and that's kind of what we're doing here today in a way. Church is teaching her children about God together when we teach our children about God's promises, when we praise and bless the Lord to our grandchildren, we are not passing down to them a watered-down version of his love and promises. We are passing down an undiluted, full-strength version. Isn't that great? It's the same version that we have received by faith. It's the same version that the original generation received by faith, matter of fact. It goes on and on. I'll never forget forget 1985. I'll never forget 1985 because that was the year that Coca-Cola announced that it would scrap its soda formula that it had used for 99 years and it was going to switch to a newer, sweeter version of its soda that it called New Coke. Anybody remember New Coke? I'm dating myself, but go ahead, date yourself too. Anyone remember New Coke? Yeah. You you had to not blink (laughs) when that came out because it didn't last long. New Coke. New Coke received swift and visceral backlash from public, the public, especially those that lived in the South. And three months later, they returned to their original formula, which they marketed simply as Coke Classic. And that's what it's known by today, Coke Classic. What makes God's love so praiseworthy is that the quality of his love has not faded as it has been transmitted downstream from one generation to the next. It hasn't been tampered with. It hasn't been augmented. It has not been altered. The ingredients of his promises have not been substituted. The wonderful flavor has not been altered in the slightest. The wonderful, wonderful blessings and benefits of God's promises have not broken down, 
over time when they came to you and me today and praise God when our children's children drink in the love and mercy and blessings of God they will drink in the original iconic classic formula of God's love the steadfast love of the Lord endures to all generations blessed be the name of the Lord we need to praise the Lord for his marvelous unique Category of its own, like nothing else, love, crossway. We need to praise him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, and forget not all his benefits. Let's praise the Lord this week. Count them up, stack them up, line them up, his blessings, and then literally praise him with your mouth. Let's do that this week, amen? Amen. Let's praise God. God, we love you. We praise you for your word. It is good and it's true. We praise you for your promises. It's the original, iconic formula of your promises, of your love, of your blessings that have come to us. And we can take great stock in that and we can drink it to the dregs. And I pray that you would help us as we do that, as we enjoy your love, that we would praise you so that we would remember you. Help us as, pe- as your people bless your name, praise your name, thank you, so that we will be shaped into your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.